joined by my dear friend today, Gideon Nielsen. He is on a phenomenal journey, which he's going to share with you. But it's hardly surprising that he's on this journey, given the type of life he's had. He's on the road for 10 and a half years. He has traveled an awful lot. He wrote a book several years ago called Your Unique Journey, which we, of course, will talk about. And now he is on a pilgrimage for five months. Five months, I kid you not, with a back. Welcome to the Boss Ladies Mindset Channel, powered by Crown for Success, the largest women's empowerment network for soulful CEOs on social media. We are a coaching business that mentors and motivates women to reach their highest potential in business and mindset mastery. Each one of our episodes will share valuable tips, resources, interviews, and empowering information that will help boss ladies design a life and business they're crazy as fuck about. Welcome to yet another episode, in fact, a very special impromptu episode of Be Free, Be Fun, Be Fearless. I am Dr. Rana Alvalaki, and I am utterly privileged and honored to be joined by my dear friend today, Gideon Nielsen. Now, Gideon and I have not been friends for very long, but I think we've become very, very good friends, and you'll know why when we start talking to him. He is on a phenomenal journey, which he's going to share with you. But it's hardly surprising that he's on this journey, given the type of life he's had. He has been almost, maybe not quite accurately, but he'll correct me if needs be, on the road for 10 and a half years. He has traveled an awful lot. He has trekked Portugal. He's trekked Spain. He's lived in so many different countries. He wrote a book several years ago called Your Unique Journey, which we, of course, will talk about. And now he is on a pilgrimage for five months five months, I kid you not, with a backpack, started in June, trekking from Denmark to Spain, to Santiago on the Camino Trail. So with no further ado, so he can correct me if I got any of that wrong. Hi, Gideon. Hello, how are you? <laughs> Did I get any of that wrong or were we more or less on track? Yeah, it's, it's all good. Um, in a force can be more uh, fully explained I guess but uh, yeah yes well that's where you come in my friend that's where you come in that is where you come in so you're on the Camino I mean most people don't even know what this journey is what it's about uh, how it started where it goes to can you tell us a bit about that yeah so like the Camino itself I mean Santiago is sort of the capital of pilgrimages in Europe now I mean before it was Rome and of course, you can still go to Rome, but Santiago in northwest of Spain is sort of the main place for pilgrims. And you can start from anywhere in Europe. So Catholic? Um, because Rome is for Catholics, isn't it? Oh, I don't know. I, I mean, I maybe, I actually don't know that part. If it's, uh, um, I mean, the it's called the, the, um, the Way of St. James. And St. James is in a, a it's, Apostle Jesus, that's the story, and whatever that means in terms of uh, <laughs> if it's Catholic or not, I don't know. Um, but you can start from anywhere. You can also start from from England, actually. Uh, you can also start from anywhere, and yeah, from Norway, Denmark, Germany, uh, any any country. And there's paths where the um, the Camino shell. It's a yellow marker. Um, is sort of the marking the, the 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 road from where you can start i mean from from in, from many places in europe and then you follow that 
um, to Santiago. So, um, and the reason for the shell is that back in the day, at least what I'm told or what I've understood until now is that back in the day, I mean, way back when you thought the earth was flat and you would fall off, you actually brought, when you went to the ocean, you brought back a shell to prove that you were there, that you were at the ocean or at the end of the world because so, so to clarify, Santiago is sort of the main stop. That's the main destination. But for some pilgrims, um, they continue out to the ocean and to Finisterre, which is called the end of the, the, end of the earth. Um, so when you get out there, you can literally not walk further. Um, but then you bring a shell and pick, pick up shells from the beach and you bring that back as sort of the proof that you were there. So. And I can see this like smile starting to form on your on your face when you say it, this finestrata and the, it being the end of the earth. So I, I know you and I have had conversations about this. You've you've been there before. It's a very very special place. Yeah, I've been there twice. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely one of my favorite places in the world. Um, it means more to a pilgrim that maybe anybody would really understand if you haven't walked, because it is really where you, I mean, you can either finish in Finisterre or Mushia. So there are two spots and it sort of depends on the feeling that you have as a pilgrim when you end, how it feels or resonates with you that where you end. But for many, Finisterre is definitely one of the main places where most people go to or, or stop. There's a 0, 0.0 marker. Um, there may not be one in Mushia as well, actually, but it's at the end of a, that's where the lighthouse is. So you, you walk into Finisterre and then you walk through, or sort of on the outskirts of the town. And then you walk towards the lighthouse, which is like a, a mile out or something. And you just, there's a 0, 0.0 kilometer marker. And obviously you have been looking at markers for, you know, it could be two weeks or a month or three months. And in my case, it will be about five months. Uh, and when you see that marker, it obviously just tells you that it's over now, you know, it, there's no more I mean of course many people can walk back and they can continue on if they want to but it is really um, it is really the conclusion to to a really long journey you know that that this is the end I mean there is there's no more to do no more the mission has been accomplished kind of thing and and it is just special um, and I think with a really beautiful journey it's important that there's a, an ending it is really important that there is some kind of conclusion. Um, and uh, yeah, when the weather is beautiful, it is one of the most special places to end. Um, it's such a journey. So, yeah. <laughs> you can taste it, you can smell it, it's there, it's waiting. I mean, when I, when I think about it now and when I thought about it, because I mean, I started June 22nd, I started um, this crazy, uh, journey and I, I have I mean uh, it's been a calling and I can go into that just after this and about how that sort of started but um, when I thought about Finisterre and, and having I have a shell with me where it says Denmark to Paris to Santiago and my I have a sort of a vision in our clear what do you say like a picture in my mind that you know I want a picture with me and that shell and that 0, 0.0 marker you know that's that's what I have in my, my my head 
but I, I feel pulled towards that place. But when I, when I feel, when I think about that place and thinking about ending there and really looking back and say that I did it, you know, it's, it's really, it becomes very quickly emotional because it's, it's just, um, I don't know what it is. It's just, um, it's just really, uh, such a special place. Um, yeah. And it keeps me sort of, it doesn't keep me, uh, keep the journey alive, but it keeps, keeps me sort of really, um, yeah, what do you say? Keeps me emotionally, um, what did I say, tender or something? <laughs> I don't know. But it's just, it's just really, it makes me, it, it really is tender to my heart, that place. It's really, yeah. What else can I say? It's just special. Yeah, um, I, I guess, well, it keeps you heart focused. When, when all the rationale in your head is telling you you're in pain, mm. you're tired. Yeah. It, 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 um, we have a phrase, in, a British phrase that kind of says it, it tugs on your heartstrings. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah, it's um, the times I've talked about it, it's, it's very easy to be be emotional. To talk about the practicalities, and I want to get back to very much about why on earth you're on this five months journey. No. But also, of course, I know you shared with me that you know in your twenties you you started this journeying, and and I'd really love our listeners or our viewers to understand a little bit about you and where you're coming from what what led you what guides you um in terms of my travels like when why that started or travels and of course i know who you are you know you get from from a very young age you started on the path of uh, self-help or self-improvement or raising mm. your, your consciousness and not a lot of people at that age are even aware of that and yet you were so yeah, that was the, and yes, my point is that I, like some people, they play basketball and they have a talent for that, uh, or play soccer, or they write, or they do something. And I think I've had, have a, have had a talent for being sensitive to what's true or not. Um, because I come from a very religious background. My family come from a very religious background. Uh, and even though my parents' parents believe in the same thing, my dad's side of the family was very black and white uh, in terms of how they saw everything. And they didn't, it's first in my, my early thirties that I, uh, or a few years ago, um, when I realized that I had not been seen for who I am by my uh, grandparents on my dad's side. And I've always, always felt not being able to, or not felt seen by them or felt grown up or felt like I was seen by as a, as a who I was, as who I was. So I think throughout my life, you know, I started asking questions when I was five, you know, and I think that I've always been aware of that there was something wrong in terms of how things are, things are in the world and, and why, why as it, why am I as a kid, as a free spirited, whatever, why am I told to do certain things that I don't want to do? And of course, as a parent, you do, you know, there is certain things that we have to do, you know, of course. But when it comes to really important things and really like life affirming things like school and, and many other things, it just became apparent that my, my mom and dad didn't have the answer when I asked questions. It was just how it was, how, how it was meant to be or how it was, you know, um, 
this is that's just how it is was the answer often you know um when i asked about how why should i go to school and work and all these things so i think i've just had a knack for asking questions because i um i sensed that just there was something in me that wanted more you know that wanted to be free wanted to be um live truth you know in some ways uh, and when i look back at my my youth i can see that i came from ignorance in some sense you know a lot of ignorance in terms of all this religious stuff that was very um unhealthy you know very unhealthy in terms of that rules and dogma and what's wrong and right and um yeah and when i look back i'm also like i think i was very fearful you know fear fear of not being good enough and all these things um and i think it just gradually progressed towards wanting to be free and living differently you know um yeah um always pursuing that sort of freedom and truth the truth in that and and who i and and who am i you know um and sort of constantly searching for for the truth really um of who i am yeah uh, I think that's the yeah short version of what what it is. <laughs> so I'm hearing you say, even from a young age, you perhaps felt uh, felt different. You were questioning. You wanted to challenge people. You were, had a quest for the truth, and people couldn't answer you. And that probably then propelled you and fed you even more to to want to challenge them or to perhaps will will rise rise up and and want to be free and as you continue to get older and ask more and more questions people just kept trying to shut you down until you were old enough to go on your own personal quest how true is that yeah i mean i think that um i i, I realize now i mean of course when you walk far you you think a lot and you're faced with yourself every day um and i'm also not speaking to my parents right now not because i don't like them or whatever i mean this has just been the last few weeks um but i just feel like there's something i need to work out for myself in terms of my relationship to them um because i know i've been very codependent you know i became very codependent on my parents um and i think i've shared way too much with them in my life in terms of um because it it always bore down to not being good enough and being you know so i always had to be honest and always and of course you have to be honest but like when there i don't think i have taken it seriously that there is a limit to what i should share or you know a boundary of some sorts and i think um that just wanting wanted to really find who figure out my own self so much that i know what boundaries i have for four things um for with them with anybody um yeah um because it was very um rule based with my parents often at least when i was really young um i mean i continue continuously asked about why we were supposed to go to church you know because i didn't get it i didn't get why i was supposed to go there when i didn't want to and it didn't make any sense for me so fortunately they began to listen because they were also they were also in their own um uh, development you know they actually moved from copenhagen where i was born the copenhagen the capital of denmark to to you know the middle part of um the country to actually take a step away from my dad's uh, parents and 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 that whole seriousness around that so 
we are a tight family in the sense that we are continuously growing together. Um, so, um, yeah, I think, um, I don't know if that answered your question, but, uh, you know, there's, there's many answers, I think. Um, but yes, there's definitely the, the, the whole thing about needing to have approval to do something, you know, when you were small and, and really just want to break through that whole limited way of, yeah. Um, I think that drove me to, to when I started traveling was I actually left to go to Australia my first year and I left saying, I don't know if I'll come back. And I really meant it. I really, this is when you were age 24. When I left, yeah, the 15th, February, 2010. Okay. Um, you know, my, my, my dad sort of knew it, you know, when we said goodbye, I mean, we, yeah. <laughs> he, uh, I actually, yeah, I left to leave. I mean, you, you know, um, you were, so, were you searching for something still on this quest for truth or were you running yeah away? that's that's the thing i was running away partially it was it was both both things i was running away but i also wanted to find myself or renew myself or live differently is how i put it um because i uh i was con constantly up against this uh, not being good enough you know i think to to some degree or feeling and also, I, you know, when asking questions, I didn't just ask questions about church. I mean, it was everything, everything in our society. Um, because well, really I was, I'm very intuitive. I think I'm, I'm, yeah, I don't know. It's just been, it's just been, I haven't really, it's just there, you know, it's just what I do. I mean, I just, you know, I can't really help it. Um, and I think it just drove me to both realizing that what the hell is happening? What's, what's going on in this world? Why do I have to wait? work eight to four you know why do i have to live by the norms why do i have to do these things you know and i think it was just slowly a progression of realizing that i can actually live how i want to um but trying to have to figure out why and i think um the tim ferris's book the four hour work week there was a question in that book that that said you know what is the worst thing that can happen you know and and I had a friend who just was, he, he was my boss and friend and he got fired from the job that we uh, working on together or we were, we had the same job or same place. And as he left to go to Australia and there was just things that began to happen in terms of that, you know, what is there to lose, you know? I mean, and <clears throat> yeah, so I just, I just, I both went towards something new that was, something that made sense to me. And then I definitely ran away as well. Um, I remember him asking me, why did you go to Australia? You know, that's like the furthest way you can get pretty much from, from Denmark. Um, so it's been sort of a ongoing things, thing, those two, those two, um, I think, yeah. And well, you didn't find yourself in Australia because you're still walking. Um, I think, I mean, of course, finding yourself is, is one thing, but I think I just wanted to live differently, you know, most of all. I think I just wanted to travel. I wanted to be feel be and feel free. I wanted to experience that you could live differently, that I could actually live from a computer or from, or or just experience new things that, that didn't feel like I was in this 
this these this box of a society you know um so i mean the within a what is it four or five weeks i uh got an option to just live and work at a farm you know where i was pretty much alone the whole time uh unless there were on the weekends you know um so all of a sudden I, I i began to live differently because i pursued it you know and, and then things just started to happen and that's the beauty of leaping you know it's, it's that things will catch you um so and that's i think that was early on we talked about me and my my friend stefan there and me we often talk about that having faith in the unknown you know is because when you travel and when you live sort of in that on the edge kind of life and you just need to understand that you need to understand that things will work out and it'll be okay um and when you get used to that idea life becomes fun um so it helped and it was it was a good start it was one of the best years of my life that first year so um, it's part, it's very much part of that surrendering process um of, of being able to trust being able to be prepared to take a leap of faith and know that whatever the back to that question what's the worst that can happen actually that it will all work out and there's mm. not fear of perfection not necessarily being something that's all pretty and something that's all happy but it's something that can still be perfect for you because it works out the way it's meant to and that may be that you go down a path of pain or distress or hardship but you come back to the road of of realizing that that makes you who you are today mm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm the only, I'm, I'm a pioneer in my family, you know, no one has lived the way I have I, I, like both sides, all cousins, you know, no one has lived the way I have. Um, and I don't know if some of my, some of my cousins have traveled, but I, um, I definitely broke out of, you know, the norm way of thinking. And I, I had to fight my my parents a lot, you know, um, especially my dad. He was very conformed in terms of his thinking. Um, I think my mom was a bit more open in the sense that, um, to to a degree, but there was a point in time where uh, that was in two thousand and nine. Mm, yeah, I had been at a seminar, like a full day seminar, and after that day, uh, or after that weekend, I guess it was a Saturday. And then I went to work on uh, Monday and everything just shifted when I sat down. It was like this, you know, a paradigm shift where I just sat down and I was just totally aware of everything in a way that I had never experienced before. It was just like, I was totally amazingly present. And I was like, when people talked to me, it was like, I heard it, I heard it before they said it, you know, it was really odd. Um, and I just went over to my friend Stefan there and I said, uh, I can't, can we talk, you know? And then we sat and got into a room and we just sat there and talked. And he just said, you know, just go home and walk and just write it down for a couple of days, you know. Um, and later that year, um, there was a, I don't know how I got connected to that actually right now, but there was somebody who offered that you could, you could pay some money and you could be write a book, write a story in a, in a book series and that would become a bestseller and it would become a bestseller because, you know, the authors would have two packages of buying, you know, several hundred books or whatever. And then it would be a bestseller right away, you know, obviously. But um, it was sort of a cool thing, you know, because I, I like writing. It was an experience that really changed something in me. Um, and yeah, being published and having a book that you could start and start selling or whatever, you know, it made sense to me. But when I, when I shared that with my parent, my, my dad, he, uh, he got really upset with me. 
you know, he got really upset and he couldn't understand it. He just said, oh, you just want to be famous, you know, whatnot. And uh, I got really upset and I left, you know, I, I went home every Sunday. And it's something that I've thought about actually a lot these days because I've dealt with some uh, unhealthy relationships uh, over the years. And I realized that the first maybe unhealthy relationship I had, at least partially with my parents, was the fact that I was growing so much. You know, when I left, when I left uh, them or, you know, lived by myself, I started this entire, um, I could really start living freely and more, you know, I could start actually following up on my own questions, like, and start to do stuff. And I realized every time I went home on Sundays to, for dinner and stuff, I, I realized that I was, I was nervous. You know, I was nervous and fearful of how, what would they think now with, you know, all these ideas that I could bring home every, t- you know, today. Because I was really rushing out there, like not rushing, but like I was just, you know, one way street of, of just growing, you know, there was so much happening. And I realized that I of that. I was afraid of sharing that with them. So uh, what, every time. Gideon, how much of that did you hide? How much of yourself did you hide when you would go back on the... Yeah, yeah, I think, I think, uh, I don't know if I hit hit it, because I I don't think I hit it, but I was afraid of sharing, you know. Um, But I, I mean, if, if my parents at that time, if they turned their back on me for, for being who I was, I don't think I would have stopped, you know, of course, it wouldn't have been healthy or it wouldn't have been fun or whatever. But it was, it, there was times where my parents just didn't know what to do with me, I think. They, they just didn't have any clue of what was okay. Or, and sometimes they, I think they made decisions that were not very good because they, they were afraid too. They were, they were you know, um, I don't know why actually sometimes. Uh, but they didn't, they, come, they came from such a different background, you know. And I was coming with this whole new um, world, I guess. Um, so I think, um, yeah, that was it. Was it was difficult, but it was also just part of my journey, you know, of of growing and and um, yeah. Yeah, and I think it's really important to share it because then other people listening will recognize that they're, they're not alone, you know, and they can take a lot of comfort in that. You know, I, I have a, a similar story of mm. feeling unseen. Yeah. I didn't belong. People didn't get me. You know, I was a very sociable person on the surface, but, but within myself, I felt alone. And, and, you know, we wear, as we grow up, we wear so many different masks that hide who we truly are. And we show different mm. faces to different people. And we, we yeah. sometimes can't even engage with, with who we are deep down. And it's, it's, it's not unusual for conscious people, light workers, whatever you want to call us, to fe- have that sense of feeling, of, of feeling like they don't belong. And they can mm. have a really, really, your energy level is so high that you can have a really hard time grounding yourself and being, being comfortable in this world until you peel off the layers. And again, very similarly to you, and we're going to get onto your relationships, you know, and I shared the, a brief history of my disastrous relationship uh, uh, in my book. I'm quite open about it. You know, I, I just ended up in one emotionally abusive relationship after the next until I learned to break the pattern. And it very much came exactly as you said, 
from this feeling of not being good enough. And that doesn't necessarily mm. come from people putting you down all the time. I, I don't know about you, but my parents never put me down. They always believed mm. that I, I had the ability to, to do whatever I wanted, but yet somehow there was this belief in me that never ever felt good enough and it led me down a, a, a difficult path. So where did your not feeling good enough come from? You said it's come from your parents, but were they putting you down or it was just a feeling you had? Mm. No, they were not putting me down, but I think it was, uh, my dad was very serious. I mean, he was very serious because, because he came from seriousness and his parents were so serious about their, um, what I would say, crazy beliefs that things were one way, you know. And I think that my dad just had that with him, you know. Um, it took him, in his 30s, that's when he really had a, a shift, which was that he needed to, he realized that he needed to let go of his entire identity. You know, he couldn't, he couldn't, he realized that what he came from just didn't make sense anymore. You know, he had to really let go of it. And obviously that was a big transition for him. And I think it was first after that, that, that maybe we, that maybe that seriousness sort of left a bit. Uh, and I knew I was, must've been early, just before my teens maybe, or around there. Um, um, so I don't think that they, they didn't really put me down, but my dad was just definitely very serious sometimes or often because of, of all this stuff, um, religious stuff and, and also just the religious stuff in general was very like, if you don't do this, you go to hell. If you don't do this, you're not good enough to do that. I mean, I think it was very ingrained, um, yeah in that whole energy um and um yeah of course a lot of things have i don't know if they're let go of yet but they have definitely um surfaced so much the last this last period of time that i have realized some stuff that that seems to make sense um um so yeah and so yeah, it wasn't your truth and you're on, still on a journey to, to find your truth. So fast forward, you went to Australia, you didn't come home, did you? You, you traveled and lived in several different countries throughout that 10 year period? Um, I actually I went back for some weeks uh, after that year and then I left again and then it was sort of back and forth for several years, um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, life, the life of the nomad where, you know, the, the people would think all oh, well, the traditional life, is, you know, then you meet somebody and you settle down and you make friends, but you're constantly moving. So what happens with your relationships, both friends and personal? Or do you feel free? Yeah, I think um, sometimes I've, I've definitely been in, in, in the gutter of, of emotions in terms of of feeling that I have nothing, you know, because I, because I have lived this way. Because um, it's very easy to feel alone. It's easy to think about that. Yes, I don't have a, a tight knit circle of friends, you know, and neighbors and, and all this stuff. Um, but I have a lot of friends. They're just not around me all the time, you know. Um, and that's that's one of the choices i guess of, of living this living this way or one of the um what do you say um 
Yeah, outcomes, what do you say? Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, my closest friends, I, I will always be around or talk to. I talk to one of my best friends, uh, you know, about every week. So, um, but yeah, it's been, it, that's also been a journey in itself because I also realized when I started to grow a lot that not many were like me or whatever. Um, especially when in the workplace, it didn't seem, there's only Steph and my boss there. We, we, we could sort of talk about these things. Um, and he, of course, traveled and he lives in Australia now because that's what he wanted to do and all that. So, um, but I realized that when I began to, it was actually in network marketing, you know, that type of business <clears throat> um, that I got into, which was not really healthy in terms of business wise. It's, it's, I don't think it's a good business uh, really. But what I, what, it, what I began to understand was that the people who were doing this, they were reading books about how to become better or how to, you know, improve themselves in whatever way, you know, their bookshelves were full of self-help books and whatnot, you know, and that had my, piqued my interest because, I mean, if you want to become better, you need to do something, you need to study, you need to realize uh, who the hell you are, you know. <laughs> um, so that was sort of the, the starting point, I think, actually, for for really sort of waking up a bit, you know, from, um, not because I didn't maybe ask, didn't, didn't ask questions, but it was sort of like I began to mingle with people who wanted more out of life. Uh, so you can always question about what, what the, what the, re the, the reasons they're doing it or the business models they're do doing it by or whatever. It doesn't really make, it doesn't really matter to me. It's just a matter of that these people, they wanted to, to improve, improve themselves. And I think that just started the journey of me, yeah, beginning to read and study and um, more concretely sort of, you know, yeah, study. Um, so I think, um, yeah, that's when it started. Um, and then that took a few years. And then all of a sudden I was like, yeah, I'm going to go travel now. And uh, yeah, in short, um, the first year was in Australia. And then I began to do, go to workshops and stuff. Um, I began to feel in October of that year, uh, 2010, I began to realize that, um, okay, I'm ready now. I can do, I can do what I want now. Um, I began to sort of feel um, confident. And the reason why I left was to sort of find myself or gather myself at least to, to be able to make decisions for me. And then I began to uh, think about, okay, I want to establish myself in this environment of, you know, personal development and spiritual development. So that was my decision. And then I started to just go to workshops and I went from uh, Australia and all the way to Canada. That's another story, but that was to get a working holiday visa started in Canada. Um, but then I went to Costa Rica and many workshops in the US over the, the next uh, few months. Um, and um, yeah, I spent about a year, year and a half, uh, a lot in the US. Um, and then, um, um, yeah, I think the next country was Spain for about a year after the Camino. And then I was in Portugal for another Camino, um, went to New Zealand. And then I lived in Switzerland for a year and a half. And um, and after that, what was that? I actually got, went back to Denmark for a while. Um, and uh, yeah, 
and then I went to India and back to Denmark and yeah. Um, Gradually, obviously, you've you, you've gone on this journey. You've you've broken free. You're in search of of a quest. You're surrounded by people thinking, okay, actually, there's something to learn. So you start on all the self improvement stuff, and mm. and start learning. And by the sounds of it, starting to grow your confidence, and you start to mm. go on courses and learn more and be more. Mm. Uh, so um, presumably, breaking free more and more. And then what I'm what I'm hearing is that perhaps in that process, as well as learning about yourself, maybe you were starting to gather a little bit of your tribe around you, some more like-minded individuals. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yes, definitely. Um, and I think that was sort of, yeah, that was what I began to understand, that when I went to workshops, and then all that stuff. I was the youngest in the crowd all the time, but I, I was, you know, I was like-minded with people who were twice my age or more, you know. Um, before I actually started traveling, I, I went to get certified as a coach uh, with the speaker that I went to that, you know, after that, and you know, shifted uh, a lot of things. And it was not really the certification that really, you know, I think that was kind of a bit of BS, to be honest, but, uh, <laughs> but I, uh, but, um, the whole experience of of being around people who were um like me i guess or and, and i was this this young guy that you know i was just searching and it was just kind of interesting to so naturally being in a in a crowd of people that that i could talk to uh all the time about about myself about everything that's was going on and people who were interested in just growing you know and learning and and all this um so that was special um, to just realize, I think. Um, and I think that was, this, that was the experience that sort of set me off in terms of, okay, I know that I can, I know I can find these people everywhere when I go to workshops and, and all that. <laughs> so, um, so that was nice. And, um, but I also think I realized that it was sort of, I don't know, limited, but it was maybe it's not enough for me, uh, the workshop setting or the, that stuff um because i didn't really go to many i haven't really gone to any workshops really since um since that time that was 2011 or something 12 i haven't really gone to that many or if any so my um, own experience of workshops is it, again it's a little bit like the rule book thing uh, to some extent because you're listening to somebody if they're just teaching you a certain thing, then it's 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 their interpretation and it's their way of teaching. Mm. And can while you can learn and you can grow, there's still a, to me it feels like there's still uh, there's still a limit there to some extent yeah. because because it's someone else's rules. And I think it's only yeah. when, when you take what you learn and you make it your own and you go yeah. on your own journey and continue to evolve mm. that you really push the boundaries. And you become a leader. You become a leader in your life and a leader in that field, as opposed to a follower. And there's no insult meant to people who go on the courses who are followers. Sometimes that's all that person needs. But I know from you, and correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, you know, you're not. You know, you are. You're like me. You know, you're a push the boundaries type of person. It's it's not enough for you to follow, because you need to go on your unique journey. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I realized early on that um, putting speakers and so on up on a pedestal is really a dumb idea um 
because you get disappointed really fast and then you begin to judge them for what they teach you or what they don't teach you. And uh, I think a lot of people, they, because I think we all have a void because of our society, I think there's something that's it's purposely missing, which is to learn who we are from the, from the get and uh, no one really teaches us anything. Um, and I think then we look for ways to fill that void, you know, because there's something to fill and we, do, we just don't know what it is. And then we look for, look for that in religion or personal development or yoga, or we look it for anywhere, you know, and, and I think, uh, I realized that, um, a lot of people who's going to workshops, they're looking for that. They're looking to have the speaker, uh, fill them up. And, uh, I think also a lot of the speakers, they live, live off of that, you know, um, I realized that, um, yeah, putting people up on, up on a pedestal, especially the speakers and all that, is really good or a bad idea. They're they're having their own life experience and they're just sharing that. Um, and uh, it's really important to take responsibility for uh, yourself. And uh, and uh, it's your own fault if you put them up on a pedestal. You need to, you know, you need to yeah take responsibility for your own life. You can. We all should listen and learn from each other, but we shouldn't put anybody on a on a pedestal. Um, and I think it's very easy when we have a void to fill. Um, there was an experience in Costa Rica where, uh, because this experience, uh, do you know Dan Millman? Dan Millman, he uh, wrote the book, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior, one of the best books, I think, out there. Um, and uh, he had this uh, week of uh, transformational experience or vacation, I think he transformation like vacation and at the end there was a son and, and mother from uh, Romania or something and they said at the end of the time at the end of the week they said we don't really feel transformed you know and it's like mm, I don't think you get it you know um so it's it was there's a lot of those experiences but overall I've I've had a lot of connections or friends from from especially that trip in Costa Rica but also many others um and of course, it's all worth worth it. Uh, it's just really important to keep yourself in mind and not, yeah, take yourself seriously. Actually, because I think a lot of people they just look for the answers and instead of having to do the work. Uh, so, and I did that myself, of course, you know. So, but I I learned. <laughs> yeah, so. absolutely, absolutely. So your unique journey, this book that you wrote, mm -hmm. what was that about? Yeah, so I mean, when I when I talk about that book, I'm a I'm a little. Um, it's not that I'm not proud of having done it, but I also know that it's very early in my life and early in my travels, and I was also at a point where um, I had not gotten into depth about who I was yet. You know, so while it was truthful, it was also very basic. Um, so I the first part of the book is sharing you know my story, you know where I come from and the years up until when I was, uh, yeah, at that time, when was uh, I was 28 or something, <laughs> um, 27. Um, so the book is in short, a self-help book, because that was what I was <laughs> into at that time. And a uh, bit about my story. And then there was, you know, some tools I had learned along the way. Um, but of course, the essence of it is, you know, that we are on this unique journey and, and, and so on. And my purpose at that time was to use the book as a sort of a, um, as a starting point to start a project called Your Unique Journey as well. 
but having people share their story and share who they, you know, because just like you do and how, like many do in the podcast and whatnot is, yeah, uh, I think that's why it is interesting. And it doesn't really matter who has the podcast because usually all conversations are interesting um, because it's unique and it's, uh, um, yeah. So I think that that whole idea was made, made sense to me, you know, that we all have something to share and, um, and this whole idea, my, my, the front page of the book is me walking out in the abyss, you know, in the abyss. Um, and that's kind of makes sense in terms of everything I am about is this, uh, I'm on the road, you know, uh, especially right now. Um, and yeah, um, it's an ongoing thing, you know, and, uh, we are having a unique experience and we can share that we should share it. Um, so I think, yeah, in short, that's what it's about. But I, I definitely want to upgrade that. Uh, well, you can. I feel I'm beginning to. The title is still there, but of course your unique journey is, you know, another however many years on because the journey never ends. The journey of our life. It's, it's not, it, we don't get to a destination and think, okay, great, I've made it. Now what? You know, actually it's when, when we go, when we decide to get out of our earth suits, as my dear friend Melinda Kapoor says, that's when, you know, that's, that's when the journey ends or the, the experience on, on earth ends. But otherwise we keep on traveling, whether we're doing it in the, the practical sense that you are at the moment with a rucksack and boots uh, or just living life is, is a journey. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And um, what I like about, and it's not, I think I'm just, in a, I'm, I'm in a process also where I'm beginning to really appreciate myself appreciate what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And, and I really like that I'm literally living my truth in the sense that I'm living this whole journey thing. You know, I'm, I'm, I have, I have a logo called you know, the journey navigator and this whole idea of your unique journey and all that stuff. And it's not really the important about the words themselves, but it's just that this is, this is actually truly who I am. I mean, it's really who I am in the sense that, um, yes, that, I mean, of course, you, maybe you shouldn't live on, a, on the road all the time, you know, uh, but um, this whole experience of actually living it and, and because walking far is a huge metaphor for life. Um, it is the metaphor for life, I, I, I'd say, um, because life has changed, you know, and you realize that when you uh, walk, you know, you meet, go to new places, you leave places, you meet people, you say goodbye. I haven't met many pilgrims yet, but I have, I, I, I uh, walk with uh, a woman for three days and, and as pilgrims, you bond really fast, but then there's a time where you need to say goodbye, you know, and that obviously happens more when I, when you meet more down in, in Spain, but, um, there are so many things that is coming together when, it, when I mean, in terms of life and, and walking far, that's, um, yeah, I think it's the greatest teacher walking long distance. I think it's the greatest teacher that I could have, but I also think that it could, it teaches everything you know, need to know about life. Um, because of the challenges physically, mentally, it, it goes really, there's nothing you can escape if you walk far. So you are walking 20 to 30 kilometers a day. Mm -hmm. 
Yep. Uh, so fast forward to June 2020, mm -hmm. decision to do this walk from Denmark to Santiago. Yeah, so um, June 22nd was when the day I started. Um, and two weeks before that, um, so I've been in a relationship from February until May this year, and it, that ended. Uh, it was the most special experience I've had, um, but it's also something I realized that I just need. I was in a cycle that needed to end, not because I realized that right then, maybe, or even though I had thought about it a lot, um, but I was gonna process this breakup or this ending of this um this experience and i start, just started to walk a lot uh where you know where i lived and there was like a walk in the morning a walk you know afternoon or like mid yeah before noon or afternoon and then uh, a walk in the evening and that was sort of the daily thing i did you know, and i just walked a lot and and the 7th of june on a sunday i walked to the ocean um and when i saw the ocean i just walked along the path sort of a bit up from the from the sandy area um and this whole this the idea spark of whatever inspiration whatever you want to call it just you know wham straight into my my head and the the idea of walking from denmark to santiago that was the what came to me and that was the only thing that made me really smile for uh, for a month or more um and i was going to meet my parents out there as well and i shared it with them and it was like the most natural thing in the world to share with them that because it just felt so good you know it's just like I, I smiled like yeah this is yeah it was just genuine really it was just like um so I listened and two weeks later I just started. Um, I, I had most, most of what I did, so I didn't really, and I could work from my computer. So it was fairly easy to just get going. I had nothing to hold me back. Uh, so yeah, I just started. Um, and in uh, the Camino you start, uh, so I started in Viborg in Denmark, which is the north part of Denmark. And I started there because, uh, not because it was near where I lived. Um, some people, they just walk from where they live. Maybe I could have done that, but um, uh, it's sort of a, not a premise, but it's good to start at a, at a cathedral and you have this pilgrim passport and then you get a first stamp at the cathedral. So when you end up in Santiago, they can see where you, where you started. So that's where I, I started and um, yeah. Been going through uh, Denmark, about 300 kilometers, and through Germany. That was, I don't even know how far that was. Um, maybe six, seven hundred, maybe seven, eight hundred. Then um, built through Belgium and uh, to Paris because I was. I mean, it was not the. It was not. I, mean, I was not really walking towards Santiago and in, initially because I was sort of heading west towards Paris. Um, but then after Paris, it was more, more direct. So um, I'm just um, heading into Bordeaux tomorrow. So that will be the last big town um, in France. And then I can really look forward to the real Camino. So, that's um, so um, you are on day, today's day 102, is that right? 103. 
103 so you've been watching your youtube videos 103 today yeah you've just finished it mm. so did you know at the time did you realize when this you had this moment of guidance i'm going to walk the camino did you realize it was going to be a five month plus walk um yes i could calculate that really fast uh but but it didn't beautiful no, I mean, the beautiful thing about this walk in particular is that I, this, this is a calling. There's something pulling me. There really is. I mean, I, there, I don't really know what it is, um, to be honest. Uh, I know that it's probably something good um, or whatever, but I, every day I walk, there's, I mean, of course, there's days that it's, it's heavier and it's not as fun or, you know, there's those things, but there's never a day where I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm stopping or, you know, there's never that, there is an energy in me that is just pulling me. And I, that's, that's, that makes it easy in some ways, you know, that, okay, this is, this is what I'm doing, you know. Um, it's back to that, that heart centered focus that's pulling you, right? That, that emotion that is, is tugging you there, no matter what. Yeah, you can definitely call it heart, but it's not, I feel it in my gut more, you know, I feel like it's really, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, I can't really explain what it is. It's just, uh, Something is pulling me in this direction, and uh, um, we'll see what it what it what it amounts to. Um, but if we go back to it being a journey rather than the destination, you have mm. learned. You, you've challenged yourself. You've been in the rain. You've been in the wind. You've changed boots. You've had airbeds that have had punctures. <laughs> given mm. up on camping. You know, you've had adversity. You've had. Uh, cheap places to stay, expensive places to stay, places where beds collapse. You know, it, it's, it's, it's hard. You have to find food every day. You have to carry a backpack. You have to work on where you're going to stay that night. You're still trying to fit in your work when you get there. I mean, there are a lot of kind of practical challenges, plus the walking itself, the no doubt yeah. pain in your legs and all the rest. And what does that do to somebody's mind? Yeah, I mean, I when I talk about the Camino, I usually talk about it in the, in the, the three phases of the Camino or three phases of life, where the first phase is the physical, the second is the mental, and the third is the spiritual, or the divine phase, or whatever you want to call that sort of energy phase. Um, and the first, the physical is obviously, is, is always there, you know, of course, it's, it's challenging every day to walk far, but it's definitely harder in the beginning. Um, and it's also where it's very superficial, the experience, you know, you haven't really gotten into depth about what is it, what is, why you're doing this or what's happening or the rhythm of, of things. Um, so it's also where you doubt a lot. You, um, you focus on the pain a lot and the distance a lot. You focus on the destinations a lot. You focus on the, the things that may be more connected to the ego in some sense, maybe. Um, because it is kind of superficial. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so, but that opens up for the mental phase, you know, that's where the, <laughs> the that can last all your life, the mental one, but um, that's where you go into more depth about who you are, your, you know, thoughts, thinking, your past, you know, family, friends, you know, all the things that are sort of, um, yeah, it's been a part of your life. And, I think that's an ongoing thing, although the more in depth you go when you walk, the more you also begin to appreciate things because you begin to let go as well. 
um, the body, mind, and spirit. The reason why I think the the walking is so magical is that body, mind, and spirit comes together, or or phys- the physical, the mental, and the the divine, or whatever spiritual comes together. So every day you are in process, and every day you are processing. Um, and I can relate to when I was in India, I was doing Ayurveda for a month. So Ayurvedic treatments, which is oil and you know massage and, and and drops in different places and. The reason why is that it begins to activate the body and process. So the body just starts this process. And I can't really explain it because I'm not an Ayurvedic doctor, but of course I experienced that the body just starts this washing out process of yeah, all these layers that you have, that is not yours, but whatever. Um, and I can relate it a bit to this. Uh, it's kind of the same um, experience that, 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 that did you, you're just constantly in process. Um, and um, yeah, it makes you to go through. You can't really, when you walk far, you cannot escape going in and face yourself. I think that's the beauty of it. Um, it's impossible to walk far and not face yourself and face your darkness and face the things you have suppressed or whatever. Um, and that means that it comes out some some way or another. Uh, I have been, the first two months, I had a really hard time of thinking about my ex a lot uh, because. I, th- I felt like she was a coward. You know, I felt like she was not facing me, uh, looking me in my, my face and we could just talk things out, you know. Um, so I was very angry because there was something left uh, that I just, okay, I just have to deal with that. She can't uh, deal with it with me, you know. Um, so I was very, very angry about that. And I've, sometimes it really came out. I was just furious. I could yell and scream and I could... I had these walking sticks that I just would throw around and kill as much, uh, you know, plants that I, that I could, you know. <laughs> um, so there's just some times where the, those very, yeah, but nasty, dark, whatever things just come, comes up because they need to. They need to come through you somehow. Um, and especially with me, I think that I've been very good at suppressing my, my anger. I've been very angry in my life. And... Um, uh, because I'm very sensitive, but I've also been very unexpressive about those things, which means that I've uh, I haven't even haven't really allowed myself to to feel things or feel stuff. So I've suppressed it more than being honest about about what I felt. Um, so my yeah, my point is just that um, yeah, the, the beauty of, of walking is just that you are in process all the time and uh, it makes you come, it makes you let go of things more and more. And um, yeah. And how effectively do you feel you've been able to let go? You're three and a half months in now. Um, yeah, I think letting go is sometimes is a bit empty word. It's a bit, or maybe not empty, but it's sort of like it doesn't really... Uh, <laughs> doesn't really explain um and i think um and there's processes you know the first two months were really tough in the sense with 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 the relationship stuff with her the first two months filled up a lot of time with that um and then um later on it became more like the situation in the world right now um where that was more the the focus i think um and now I'm beginning to, I'm definitely feeling that I'm more like, okay, this is, I mean, of course, this is my life. And I've felt that for 
while, you know, but I'm also realizing that there's, I need to take something serious in the sense of, okay, my mom and dad, they've been the closest to me throughout my life. But I also realized that I need to, I need space, you know, I need space. I need to, to realize that this is my journey. I'm doing this for me. Um, and it's not because I don't like my parents and it's not because I don't like people because, um, but it's just that when you have, have had these things with them, that has been very tough. And, and I've, I, I began to realize that the codependence and the things I've had with relationships has, has started with them, you know? Um, so, so I'm also realizing that I really need to just take care of myself and be, be sure that I'm respecting myself and not just having to, I don't feel like I need to share things with them just because I need, it's a habit. Um, and, and because I need to really feel that I'm doing it for me, uh, and not doing it out of the old pattern of not being good enough or being afraid of, of, of whatever. And I know it's not because of that. I know it's not why they want to talk to me but I don't want that energy in me anymore. Um, yeah. Yeah. Very so I want to just really, yeah. I was just going to say, so, so, so understandable. And, and, and people who have been through the same would, would potentially be able to relate to, to what you just said. And I think sometimes what happens as we become more conscious, sometimes we actually become quieter because we don't feel the need to, because we're not seeking approval, we don't feel the need to have to, speak for the sake of speaking or share for the sake of sharing mm. we kind of just a little bit happier within our within ourselves and it makes us better listeners as well yeah yeah um i mean one of the just to throw that out there i think one of the one of the other beautiful things about walking is that um because you are walking you always arrive you always arrive and i realized that when i started to when you look up and you after 15 days and 30 days and realize that, wow i've been many places you know or 40 days and 100 days but i always feel like i i am i have arrived i always always feel like i am here and if when you when compare that to traveling uh, with a plane or a car sometimes especially with a plane if you fly from the US to Europe or you know every, any long distance flight sometimes it often takes like a few days or maybe up to a week to really you know I'm here now you know because it's very un unnatural or un unhealthy to to travel this this far this fast and I think um, that also makes you sort of present to the fact of what you need to deal with um, and um, yeah. So two things um, come to mind from what you just said then. One is the idea of it being grounding. Mm -hmm. You arrive at the end of every day. So you may be on a 20 to 30K walk and you may be kind of, you know, up in the clouds or thrashing sticks and getting angry, you know, it being in touch with your emotions, you're on your own and all the rest of it. But the fact that you do arrive sounds like it helps to ground you. Yeah, because you can't, um, uh, I've been very impatient in my life and I think we all, many are in terms of, okay, I want to get to this, I want to create this, I want to do this. And we're impatient about the manifestation period of, of when that actually happens. Um, and 
one of my motivations and one of the things I really look forward to is to, I mean, and you can say, yeah, don't look, it's a journey and all that stuff. But a motivation is also that when I'm in the Finisterra, when I'm finished this, um, the whole experience of having taken that many steps, you know, when I'm done, I've probably taken five million steps in six months. And when you realize that how many steps that is, then you begin to put that into perspective of when you start anything, uh, then you know that you have to take all the steps to arrive. You have to take all the steps to arrive. If you, if you want to skip any steps, you want to take a shortcut, da, 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 um, and not take the steps. I mean, you can take, sometimes I'm taking shortcuts in terms of maybe walking along the highway because it's more direct. Um, but I'm still taking the steps towards the, the finish line. I'm not taking a car. I'm not taking, you know, I'm walking. Um, and I think for myself, that is a hugely important thing to learn, but also whenever I start anything from this, from, from after this, I know that I need to take all the steps to have this project or whatever it is arrive. And I think that's a really beautiful thing about this experience, but also like the whole idea of that you that I'm really in, I'm really having that ingrained in me now that if I need to arrive and feel like I have arrived, I need to take all the steps. Otherwise, I'll feel I I I um I cheated, you know, or I was impatient, or you know. It's, it's so yeah, and you just that metaphor was beautiful because because it really I felt tingles when you said you know you can't you get somewhere too fast and you said you know it's mm. not natural to go that far that fast when you're talking about the airplane and now you've just expanded on exactly that point in that it's if we think about growing as individuals if we think about traveling our journey be our journey through consciousness our understanding who we are our journey in life it's not natural. You can't just click your fingers and be there. We have mm. to go through the processes. And like you said, you have to take each of the steps. So what a phenomenal metaphor of yeah, yeah. the fact that you are taking those physical steps at the same yeah. time as you learn about who you are. Yeah, and I think that's, that's one of the things I will keep coming back to when I talk about this. Um, also because I have been very impatient. I've been trying to skip everything to get to wherever, you know. Um, yeah, that's probably part of part of the calling, I guess, to truly really just understand that you can't skip anything. You need to you need to take every single step to to fulfill whatever it is. So, and it may be, it may well be that you don't have some sudden mind blowing realization when you get. I won't. I already, well, I, I already know that. Yeah, but it's the journey because you are learning so much about yourself, about other things, about the world, about how you think, about your connection, about your ability to ground. You are learning so, so much in your wisdom. It's like you've, the feeling I always get about you is, you know, you, you have this um, massive ball of wisdom and it's you're allowing it to, to finally come through you. To, yeah. to be able to verbalize it, to be able to feel it, which which will make you into the incredible teacher that, that you you will become if you're not there yet. So, yeah, I think that's that's true. And I've actually felt like you know a lot of people they take educations, a lot of people they they have a skill. Um, and I think even though I have maybe a lot of skills or whatever, uh, I haven't really felt there's definitely been some 
a void of confidence. You know, I've there's been some things I've been confident in, but the last years I've also felt very um, insecure and uh, yeah, just confused about uh, you know. And then when I started things, when I either you know I started DJing, for example, when I got back from uh, New Zealand in 2016, and a year and a half later, I played for a crowd of a thousand people in one of the most popular clubs in in Bern in Switzerland. And after that, it was like, yeah, who cares? You know, I, it was not fulfilling for me or it was not enough for me or whatever. So I, sometimes I just started things and became good at it fast and then had a success experience and then, yeah, whatever, you know? Um, so I think this experience is also so long and so important that, um, yeah, I'm getting a skill in terms of, yeah, some, some wisdom, some foundation, some, something that I can live off of and from myself. Um, but yeah, yeah. And then play with others. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, I can't wait to do that more and more. So yeah. um, we are already sharing because we're out. Yeah. So you, uh, we will talk for hours. You and I, we're, we're already. You are sharing every single day. If people go to your YouTube channel and they look up Gideon Nielsen, spelled N I E L S E N. So Journey Navigator, right, is the logo that's on there. So Gideon Nielsen, and pretty much every day he will upload a video somewhere between 5 and 15 minutes, typically. Lots of selfies. He talks into the camera, shows you his journey. So you can go on this, the final journey of the Camino with Gideon and make it to Finistrata. And, you know, so champion him, subscribe to his channel, send him messages, encourage him, give him strength, keep him going. Uh, you can also find him, of course, on, uh, on Facebook, uh, Gideon's Journey. Anything else you want to say? Uh, I mean, yeah, as you said, we can probably talk for a little longer. But, but, uh, <laughs> And we will. We will talk again when you make it to the end. Okay. Of, when you make it to the end of the world, we will. We will be talking again. But uh, if I don't, if I don't find my way to to join you to walk before before that point. So thank you so much for for your time today and for the the lessons and the inspiration that you you've given people to to show them how they can be free how life can be fun and how they can definitely be, be fearless for sure. So what an inspiration, definitely an old soul and my friend, an old soul. So that's it for now. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode. I am Dr. Rana Albelaki. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so we can let you know when we have more of these uh, episodes and you can also follow the audio podcast on Anchor as well. But for now, be free, be fun, be fearless. Thank you so much for tuning into the Boss Ladies Mindset Channel powered by Crown for Success. Please tune in next week for another episode and don't forget to follow us on Instagram at RVP Queens, at The Girl Gang Confidential, at Crown for Success, at Strong Women Are Beautiful and of course at Boss Ladies Mindset.